It's good to see you today. Brother and Sister Laksamanas in their greetings. And they said, greet the church. So there you go. Greetings from Brother and Sister Laksamana. They are staying very busy. Their schedule is full all the way to February now. Uh, They are somewhere just going, going, going. Uh, Please, I'm asking you, not just as a courtesy, but I'm asking you, uh, keep them in prayer. Uh, It's really important. Keep them in prayer as the Holy Ghost would lead you. Um, Let's continue to bear them up. Uh, They are there by God's design, and they need the constant leading of the Spirit and the covering of prayer that the church can provide. So please lift up brother and sister Mike and Gina Laksamana. Amen? Uh, Brother Martin is not skipping church this morning. Uh, I think... I think Elder Flowers mentioned it Wednesday night, as I heard. Um, Remember him. He is ministering in Union Gap today. Brother Johnstone had asked him if he would come and share his testimony. And uh, they're reaching. And I believe the Lord's going to do great things through him. Amen? Praise God. Whether we go to the Philippines or we go to Union Gap. Or whether we go camping and talk to people. The Lord wants to use his church. Amen? Praise God. We all should go. Amen. That's the commission. Go. Go. Amen. I'll tell you this last little thing. We'll dive into the word. John chapter 4. I was reflecting on the trip and I'd sent a message to some family. Over the five days we spent. I think we figured we spent 28 hours in planes, 15 hours in vans, and 12 hours in airports. And um, I was communicating that, and my my sister responded. She said, that's part of the go sometimes, isn't it? I said, yeah, I'm definitely not complaining. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. But just in case you think the going's all glamorous. (laughs) Right? Sometimes we get this idea, oh, that must be wonderful, right? Well, when you're there and there's a flow of ministry, it's wonderful. When you're, um, yeah, when you're running for flights and you're sitting on the plane and you look to see how much longer the flight has left and you realize you've only been going two and a half hours and you have another nine hours and 45 minutes of that flight remaining. Yeah, it's a long ways away. You're thinking, oh, precious Lord, thank you for the extra six inches of legroom in this seat. (laughs) You thank God for little things. Amen. Praise God. I love him, don't you? The book of John, chapter 4, we're going to read a familiar place in history here in Scripture today. But please don't get ahead of the story. Don't get ahead of history just because you know it. I believe the Lord would like to talk to us from this passage. John chapter 4, we'll just pick up at verse number 1. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. 
Let me just say something about those couple of things, and we're going to move right along. But I want you to notice in verse 1, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees heard, what did he do? Verse 3, he left Judea. What's that about? I'll tell you what that's about. It's not coincidence that the writer John said, when the Lord knew, Jesus left. Why? The Spirit of God identified with the fact that Pharisees were beginning to talk about the man of God. And the intent of the Spirit of God was never that the focus would become the man of God. And therefore, the man of God, Jesus Christ, obeyed the Spirit of God and left. He made himself of no reputation. Verse 4, that's not what we're going to talk about, but I just think we need to see that. Remember, we talked a few months ago about no reputation. It just keeps coming back. Verse 4, and he, Jesus, must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour, or about noon, midday. Verse 7, watch the story's getting ready to turn here. Something's about to happen. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me to drink. It's quite the greeting, isn't it? Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away to the city to buy meat. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him. I want you to notice her response. How is it that you, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. I want you to notice something here, and we're just going to sort of plod through Scripture for a minute, if that's all right, but I want your, I want your spirit to be open. Jesus says, when this woman comes walking up, a complete stranger, one to the other, his first words are, give me to drink. Her response is not, uh, I can't do that. Uh, just a minute. Uh, what are you talking about? Her first response is, how is it that you're talking to me? How is it that you as a Jew are speaking to me as a Samaritan? Because I have this understanding that all Samaritans and Jews have. And my understanding is that the Jews and the Samaritans don't talk to one another. We don't have dealings with one another. This has become understood. How is it that you're talking to me? Not what are you wanting? Not can I do this for you? How is it that you're even talking to me? And it gives a revelation to us of this woman that if we read to it through, through it too quickly, we will miss. 
And it's a revelation that would speak to many of our lives when the Lord begins to talk to us. Because the Lord spoke to her with a request. But her first response was not based on his request. Her first response was based on how she saw herself in relationship to him. Her first response was not based on who he was alone. Her first response was based on, do you know who I am? Do you understand I'm a Samaritan? How could you even talk to me as a Jew? Her first response revealed how she viewed herself. Her first response revealed what she thought of herself. Her first response revealed how she'd been conditioned to think about herself. Her first response revealed her thoughts that had been fed to her her whole life. Her first response revealed the circumstances of life and how they'd shaped her thinking about herself. Even though Jesus himself was speaking to her. Even though Jesus himself had extended a request to her. Her response revealed her character. Her response revealed her insecurity. Her response revealed all that she'd been told about herself. And you and I have to come to grips this morning with the spirit of God that's present in this room right now. And the presence of God from the outset, from the very first song that was sung, began to reach to how we view ourselves. We sang of liberation from addiction. We sang of freedom from depression. And I watched in the Spirit and I felt in the Holy Ghost as some of you begin to close up because those words about addiction and depression dealt with your heart. And you thought, oh God, it's going to be revealed. And so you put up a wall. Don't worry. The Holy Ghost isn't going to humiliate you. He only wants to heal you. He only wants to help you. He only wants to deliver you. And so the Lord reached to this woman. But the challenge was how she thought about herself. Now notice, the Lord didn't stop just because she was questioning him. Pray with me for a minute. Come on, talk to him right now. Talk to him from your place. Talk to him from where you are. Talk to him from where you're living right now. Come on, in honesty before him. In honesty before him. Come on, he knew he was talking to a Samaritan. He knows where you are. He's not here to judge. He wasn't there to judge. He was there to heal. Come on, talk with him right where you are right now before we go any further. We need every wall down, every wall removed. Lord, I trust you. I trust the reaching of your spirit and word. I trust the working of your spirit and word. Yes, you know my frame. Yes, you know all about me. All things are open and naked before you with whom we have to do. 
I pray the word and spirit of God free to accomplish what you intend in each one of us today. In Jesus name. In Jesus name. And so she questioned him. I don't know that she may have been questioning his motive because of how she viewed herself. I don't know that she may have been questioning just where are you going with this request because of how she viewed herself. And so you see when there's this challenge in you and I because of all we've been told or all we've gone through or all of life experiences, anything that would come to us, even when it comes from God, because we know he was God in the flesh. Everything that would come at us, his word that would speak to us, when we're, when we're viewing ourselves through the lens of what people have told us about ourselves, when we're viewing ourselves through the lens of what culture has told us about ourselves, when we're viewing ourselves through the lens of, God forbid, even what we've told ourselves about ourselves, it causes us to put up walls. It causes us not to trust the one true God that would reach to heal us. It causes us to keep him at arm's distance, arm's length, rather than allow him the freedom to come in and work. It causes us to question his motive when his motive is always pure. It causes us to question what he's reaching for when he's always reaching right where he knows needs to be reached. It questions what's he going to do when he always knows exactly what to do. And so in this woman, her response revealed so much about her. I believe she was questioning his motive. I'm not saying that she was doing that in a negative way, you understand. But she was trying to figure out. What are you doing? Why are you asking this? Some of you this morning, you're sitting here trying to figure out. Where's he going? What's he going to do? What's he going to say? What's this going to mean? Where are we going with the? Stop trying to figure out and trust him. Trust him. Trust him. We get in trouble when we try to figure out what he's doing. You know what trying to figure out is? That's human reasoning. Human Reasoning. That's the carnal mind, which the scripture is very clear about. The carnal mind is enmity with God. It, that word literally means my human reasoning opposes God. It's in opposition to God. You say, well, no, I'm not opposing God. If I'm using human reasoning to try to figure him out, I'm opposing him. What do I do? I trust him. Lord, where you're reaching starting to hurt. Lord, where you're reaching is a sensitive place in my life. Lord, where you're reaching, trust him. He won't hurt you. He won't humiliate you. He won't harm you. He'll heal you. What verse are we on? Verse 10. So see, you now see the position where she's coming from. Now I want you to watch what Jesus' response is. Verse 10. 
Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that says to you, Give me to drink, you would have asked of Him, and He would have given you living water. It can almost sound like, if you read through this too quickly, it can sound like He just ignored what she said. But he did not ignore what she said. He went right to the heart of the matter with what she said. She was responding out of insecurity. She was responding out of questioning his motive. She was responding from a place of unsure whether she wanted to trust. Not sure who this guy is and where she's going. And his response was straight to all of those things. If you would forget about all that stuff you're dealing with. Forget about all those things you're trying to figure out. And if you would just recognize who it is that's talking to you. If you would for a moment recognize and understand the gift of God that's being presented to you, you'd get past that insecurity. You'd get past that place of trust and say, yes, Lord, whatever you're offering. He said, if you knew the gift of God and you knew who was talking to you, you would have said this. What kept her from knowing? Well... I think two things. Number one, revelation. And number two, the things we already talked about that were in her. They blinded her to who he was. They blinded her to the one speaking. The Lord would like to remove some spiritual blindness. We can say, you know, I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. I've been baptized in Jesus' name. But there are still blinders that can be in our lives. I know from my own experience. And so we need the Holy Ghost to do a work in us where the anointing of God takes away blinders from my mind. Where I become blinded to the working of the Spirit of God trying to reach into certain areas. And so that He removes those things so that I see more clearly. Pray with me again. We're going to move at his pace this morning. Would you please pray with me again? In the name of Jesus. 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 I take authority over spiritual blindness. By the name and the authority of the name of Jesus, I pray it be removed. I pray the anointing that removes blindness in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Open our understanding, Lord. In Jesus' name. Verse 11, watch what she says. The woman said to him, this is quite the interesting conversation happening now, isn't it? The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? And I've got another question, by the way, verse 12, she says. Are you greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself? And his children and his cattle. Do you see what just happened? In those two verses where she asked her questions. 
A couple of things just happened. It's amazing how much you and I can be like this woman. Uh, sir, what are you going to get that water with? Well's deep, and you got nothing. What was she doing? You know what she was doing, right? She was looking in the natural. She was still thinking in the natural. From the very beginning, the Lord Jesus is in the vein of the Spirit. We agree? He says, give me drink. Right? She responds from her place of insecurity, lack of trust, not sure what's going on, trying to figure it out. She's in the natural. She's responding in her humanity. All those things that are part of her humanity. She's responding to that. He responds in the spiritual. If you knew the gift of God, if you knew who was talking to you, you would have asked this. He was telling her you would have asked something spiritually. You would have asked for this. You would have done this. She can't quite make the shift. She's still stuck in that place of human reasoning. And so she says, uh, the well's deep and you don't have anything to get water with. How are you going to do it? So she's stuck in the natural. And so then she moves from that place of natural to the next place that we go to in natural. Well, are you greater than... Now she's comparing him to somebody else. I mean, are you greater than Jacob who gave the well to us? If you look in history, it was the well that Jacob gave with a piece of land to Joseph and this well there. And I mean, this well's been here a long time. She's still thinking, she's thinking historical. She's going back. I mean, Jacob, our, our forefather that gave us this well, he even gave water to his cattle here. She's stuck in the natural. She's looking back through history. She's all, you see all these things that make up this woman's life. And all of her response to Jesus is coming from that place of human reasoning, human thinking, human trying to figure it out, thinking in the natural. I hear the voice of the Spirit this morning. And He is trying to get us to stop thinking in the natural. Trying to get us to stop responding with our human reasoning. And hear the beckoning of the Lord. Verse 13. Jesus answered and said to her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. That is his addressing of her natural thinking. You're going to drink of this water in the natural, you're going to be thirsty again. But he's still in the spirit. Because when he says, whosoever drinks of this water shall thirst again, he's reaching to something inside of that woman that no matter how many times she comes to the well, she's still not satisfied. No matter how much she lives her life, moving along from place to place, she's still not satisfied. And so he's reaching to the true thirst in her heart. And she's hearing the words, and I believe it's getting through and piercing into the heart to the thirst that's really there beyond the surface, the thirst that's behind all the questions and all the insecurity and all the lack of trust. The whole Lord Jesus is saying, you're going to be thirsty again doing it your way. Verse 14. But whosoever... Drinks of the water. 
Whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. I can't begin to imagine what those words meant to her. You mean it's possible? That something could satisfy this place in me? He knew exactly what he was saying to her. He never stepped out of the spirit. He knew exactly what he was saying. He knows exactly what he's saying this morning. There is water that he offers that you'll never be thirsty again. I'm sorry, you can go wherever you want, do whatever you want to do, feed and drink whatever you want to eat and drink, try to satisfy, you will still be thirsty again tomorrow. But when you and I lay hold of what Jesus Christ is offering, you and I will never thirst again. I'm not telling you your bank account will be full. You'll have no problems. There will never be any pain in your life. No, but I'm telling you no matter what you face, He will give you life that is everlasting and you'll never thirst again. You'll stop searching. You'll stop looking. You'll stop longing for other things. You'll realize He's everything I need. When He said it, it was true. If I drink of what He gives, I'm never thirsty again. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him. There's the difference. It's not something you can get from an external source. It's got to be him in you. It's a life-giving, indwelling, ever-abiding spirit of God. And it'll be in you a well of water springing up into everlasting life. I think all of a sudden she's starting to make the shift. Verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water. Give me this water that I thirst not. She wasn't in the natural there. She had connected with what the Spirit of God was presenting to her from the very outset. For the first time, she became vulnerable. Because when she said, give me this water that I thirst not, she revealed just how thirsty she was. Give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Watch this. Jesus said to her. Next shift, are you ready? Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come back. Come hither. Whoa, hold on a minute. This was really good where we were going, Lord. I mean, I'm liking, I'm, I, it took me a minute, but. I've opened up and you've reached, you've offered some things I'm interested in. What is this? I mean, go call my husband and come back. Like a curveball, right? Was he still in the spirit? 
Absolutely. Understand. The Lord Jesus Christ is not interested in a surface touch that makes you feel better. The Lord is interested in total and complete healing and deliverance. Completely. And so he started with her thirst. But he's going to the root of some things where her thirst is revealed. He thought, she's being honest now. Let's go a little further so we can bring. What's he doing? Is he getting ready to humiliate her? No. Getting ready to hurt her? No. He's working on complete healing. Go call your husband. Come back. Verse 17. This is really quite the conversation. The woman answered, said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you've well said you have no husband. Why is that well, Lord? Well, verse 18. For you have had five husbands. And he whom you now have is not your husband. In that sets thou truly. Whoa. It was one thing when he's talking about, you know, water and satisfying thirst. Now he's confronting a situation that is not in alignment with his word. Now she could have said, okay, I'm done with this conversation. I'm going back to my place of uh, my, I knew now his motive's really coming out here. You know, he was just going to try to, no. At this point, she identified with the love of God. Because when the Lord reaches to these areas in our life that he's trying to correct and heal, the love of God is always present. And so she doesn't close down. She responds to him. Let me say this. When the Lord reaches into an area that he's trying to bring correction in your life and mine, and he goes straight at those places that we'd rather not deal with, the worst thing we can do is close down. The best thing we can do is say, okay, Lord, let's talk about that. Deal with that place in me. I want to be honest before you. Because you understand he knows anyway. What he's trying to do is get us to be honest with ourselves in light of his word. Verse 19. The woman. This is one of the funniest passages of scripture to me. The woman said unto him, sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. It's like, really, what was your indicator here? (laughs) (laughs) Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Verse 20. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. You say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me. The hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what you know. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipper shall worship the Father 
in spirit and in truth. Why? For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Verse 25. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, which is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things. Verse 26. Jesus said to her. I that speak unto thee am he. You think that meant something to her? I that speak unto thee am he. By the way, the translators added the word he at the end. He wasn't really part of the original text. Literally translated in the Greek... He would have said, I am speaks to you. I am. Woman with five different husbands. And currently with a man that's not her husband. Not necessarily the way you want to open the conversation with Jesus if you and I are the one opening the conversation. I don't know how she felt about that, but I think the initial, all those insecurities, all those things that she said, how is it that you're even talking to me? I believe that was wrapped up in it. All of these Things in her past that spoke of her failure, her mistakes, the inability in this case to even, it would seem, to have a relationship that could last. And no doubt along that journey, she started questioning her own self. What's wrong with me? What's going on with me? I've had five husbands. I've got another one now. Well, not really my husband. but And... We would look at that even in our society now going, man, if somebody's had five husbands, we're asking questions in her day. And so she's got all this, dare I say, baggage. She's got all this stuff. And Jesus is revealing himself to her. Of all people. To her. I mean, some, some people are trying to figure out who he is. He's not letting them know. He's not letting himself be revealed. She mentions the Messiah and he says, I am. What in the world? I mean, she must not meet the qualifications. I mean, come on. You understand, he was desiring to reveal himself to the hungry and the thirsty. And she was thirsty. And because of her thirst, he was willing to reveal himself. And so he said, go back into the city. Go get your husband. Go get. And the scripture tells us she went back and they all came out to hear him. What in the world took place? Why is he offering living water to this vessel? 
because he doesn't judge the vessel before it's time. As long as someone's still willing to come and allow him to dig into the heart and bring a change of heart. Was he condoning her lifestyle? Absolutely not. Was he saying, oh, it's okay, just do whatever, but I'll still give you this living. Oh, no, I promise you that would be contrary to the word. He would not have done that. He was not condoning it at all, but he was helping her understand. I'll give you something. You're trying to satisfy thirst through multiple men. I mean, he didn't say it that way, but it's pretty evident from Scripture. You're trying to feed something with relationship after relationship. I'm offering you something that will satisfy that thirst forever. Who was talking to her? God in the flesh was talking to her. You can go all the way back to Isaiah and we find the scripture says he is our first husband. He was speaking to her, speaking to where she lived, offering something to her that would forever change her life, offering something that forever changes mine and yours. But I want you to see this. We're going to flip this a little bit from where we've been into another part of this that I think the Holy Ghost wants us to see. You and I would not have chosen this woman. Well, maybe you would have. Track record says most of us wouldn't have chosen this woman. At least not as the first place we're going to reveal who God is to. But he saw in her a vessel he could use. And a vessel he could use that he didn't have to worry about taking the credit for being used because she knew where she'd been. And so when he said, go tell, go bring them back. In spite of her past, she obeyed his instruction and she went. And the whole city came out to hear him. I told you when I was talking about the Philippines, how I marveled in a good way. And it was a very humbling thing. At watching elders Kendrick and Heiner minister and watching Brother Gonzalez and watching Bishop and Brother Laksaman and these different ones, seeing them minister. And I began to think about the history and the backgrounds that all these men came from. I don't know their stories in detail. I just know high-level stuff, and I haven't talked to them about this. But I know Brother Mark Kendrick came from a fatherless home here in Yakima. I know that Brother Nathan Heiner came from a godly home where his mom and dad were always together, raised him in the church, homeschooled him. He was an Eagle Scout. Just true story. Don't want to compare to him. Um, right? We feel that way, don't we? And I, you know, I know Brother Mike Loxamana came off the streets of Manila. Gangs and drugs and all that was there and mixed in with all of that junk. And God brought him out of that. 
We've heard Bishop's story of bar stools between New Jersey and Washington and all that he was entangled in and broken homes and God brought him out. And I'm, I'm there in the Philippines and I'm watching this flow of ministry. All these different vessels, different backgrounds, different stories. So we would have written them off. I mean, I'm there and I'm thinking, God have written me off. But God saw a vessel that he was willing to put living water in. And it would spring up to life. He just wants vessels. You are a vessel. My house, we got a cupboard. I went, you probably have cupboards at your house too. We have a very special cupboard. This is the cupboard that holds coffee cups. It's a very special cupboard. It's the one I visit most often, Sister Julie. And so, this cupboard, a few months ago, I went through and I cleaned it out. I'm like, you know what? We have got an overabundance of Anybody got overabundance of coffee cups in your house? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I thought, it's time to thin this out. Because I have all this whole family, except my wife, who isn't converted yet, all drinking coffee. And so I thought, I got to go clean this cupboard out. We got too many. Everybody's collecting cups. And I thought, man, I'm going to probably make somebody mad. So I better ask some questions before I just move some cups out of the way. Because people have their favorite cups or, you know, sentimental value. Or this person gave that to me or whatever. So, you know, I don't want to ruffle the feathers too bad, although it is my house. But... um, See, I am considerate sometimes. And uh, somebody told me I was an alpha person, so I'm trying to be more considerate. Um, I'm picking on Sister Flowers a little bit. Um, and so, but we went through and we, we cleaned out, I cleaned out a lot of these cups, still a lot of cups in there. So if you ever come over, we got plenty of coffee cups. Um, but I go to this cupboard, and, and there's different ones in there. I, I could walk you through it right now. We, we got this dark brown. I got two cups that match. They're dark brown pottery, right? and they say Jackson Hole on them. My dad gave this to me to stay in the cup. They're good cups. And then I have this dark gray Starbucks cup that my job gave me. That's sort of light because it, yeah, it's got a little rubber bottom, so it sits still. And uh, um, I got this other white Starbucks cup that a family gave to me about seven years ago that I still have that sits in there. And I use that one a lot. And I only got like three, maybe four of them that I use. Those are the cups. Now, they're all shaped differently. The, the dark brown ones are sort of the, about that tall, about that big around. The, the white Starbucks ones are really small at the bottom, but it gets bigger at the top. And then the gray one is a lot deeper and a little narrower. And, but I know the, but first, I like these cups. I like the way they sit in my hand when I'm sitting there early in the morning and the coffee's hot and my hand's wrapped around it. You, you, you guys are with me right there, aren't you? Some of you are there with me right now. Yeah. So I like my hands wrapped around the hot, warm cup and I, the smell. And I'll just sip and take a while. I, I just, those cups work good for that. There's one that's really, really thin, 
and my one of my kids really likes it. I hate it. it it's it's too thin. The mouth doesn't sit on the lip right, and it, it's too hot on your hand. So you got to hold it by the handle. And I, I want to be able to put my hands around the cup because of the way you understand. But my my kid really likes it. It's their thing, you know. They don't know. And so, right? They're not experienced yet. They think they are, but they're just not. Now. It's sort some of you are sitting here going, okay, we just stopped being spiritual. No, we didn't. Stay with me. And you're sitting here and you're thinking, who cares? Any, it, would you be honest with me? Anybody who cares? Anybody got the whole who cares? It's just a cup. Brother Joey Charles, Sister Vanessa, thank you for your honesty. Right? Anybody sitting here going, I don't care about the cups in your cupboard? No, no. Right, right. I mean, you're being kind, but you probably don't. Right? I, I I just tell you, I don't care about the cups in your cupboard. I don't. Why? Just cups. And that's what you're thinking. You're thinking, those are just cups. Well, to you, they're just cups. But to me, they're certain. I mean, they work a certain. You know why I like. Please stay with me. Please don't check out on me. You know why I really like the brown cups that say Jackson Hole on them? They're probably the best. There's like three reasons. I mean, it makes it the perfect cup. You guys are going to learn some stuff today if you keep listening. So like on top of the coffee pot, there's these little slots. And out of those little slots, steam comes up. Anybody know that? Maybe you don't have the coffee pot. I do. But On top, it's got these slots and steam comes out of it when it's brewing coffee. See, if you'll, if you'll make sure the top's really clean and you'll get your cup and you'll flip it over and put it over those steamy vents... It will warm your cup for you before you fill it with coffee. Oh, see, that's experience. And so those brown cups, they hold the heat the best. And so when I put it over and then when the coffee's ready and I take it off, it's good and perfectly warm because it's this earthen clay pottery that's coated. It just holds the heat from that steam the best. So it's an even distribution of the heat. It really matters to me. And so it's sitting in my hands. The heat distribution's perfect. When the coffee goes, I mean, the lip is just the right thickness so that when it, it matters. The handle's got a good weight and thickness to it so it's not too much pressure on my... All these, thi- all these things matter to me about this. Now, guess what? As wonderful as that cup is, if you give me bad coffee, the cup does not make up for it. Is that the truth? I mean, you can serve it to me in that cup. It can be the perfect temperature and the right tone where you get the right amount of cream. All that. But Brother Reuben, if it's bad coffee, you might as well just pour it down the drain. True? True. Why? Because different vessels mean different things to different people. But what I really care about... What I really care about in the morning is the coffee. It's not the cup. I mean, don't get me wrong. I can tell you a lot about the cup. But when it comes right down to it, I'd rather have bad coffee. Never. But give me good coffee in a paper cup. And that's better than bad coffee in my favorite cup. 
you know, there's certain hotels I won't stay at. <laughs> That's exactly right, Sister Brittany. I want to write a letter to some hotels. And I want to tell them, you want to find out how to get loyal people? Start paying for good coffee. Because I care about what's in the cup. Would you stop comparing the vessel? And understand that really what matters is what's in the vessel. The Lord Jesus was willing to put living water in a woman that had five husbands. Was with one with not her husband. Was a Samaritan. And he offered living water to that vessel. Stand with me. The Lord told the, prophet, told the man of God, Ananias, in the book of Acts. After he struck the apostle Paul, before he was the apostle Paul, when he was still going, before he decided to start being called Saul, or Paul, when he was still going by the name Saul. The Lord told Ananias, go pray for him. He is a chosen vessel unto me. A chosen vessel. We talk a lot about being a conduit. And I believe in that principle and that concept of the spirit of the Lord flowing through us. The word I find most often in scripture is one that speaks of vessels. One that he pours into that then pours back out. One that he pours into that pours back out. One that he flows into and that it flows out. You and I are vessels, chosen vessels of God. If he would choose a woman that had had five husbands and was now with one that wasn't, to say, I'm willing to use you as a vessel. If he would choose one that had been persecuting the church, binding up Christians that were going in this way, and say, that's a vessel I can work through. He has you here today because you are a vessel he can work through. I don't care if you're... You, sit perfectly on top of the coffee pot or not. What matters is you're a chosen vessel unto Him. You are a chosen vessel unto Him. And in this hour in which we live, in this time in which we live, the Lord Jesus is saying, if you knew who was talking to you, you would ask for living water. And I'd give it to you and you'd never be thirsty again. And it would be in you a well springing up unto everlasting life. What I'm offering you is something beyond a temporary feeling for today. I'm offering you something that would satisfy the thirst in your life. And once it satisfies your thirst, it's going to flow out of you and satisfy the thirst of somebody else. He wasn't just reaching to minister to her need. He was reaching to heal her, to deliver her, and to fill her, and let her be a vessel that he could work through to reach another need. That's why he said, go to the city and get them. 
Why did he tell the man at the gatherings who had just moments before been running naked through the tombs, bound with chains, filled with thousands of demonic spirits? But when he sees Jesus, that demoniac runs and falls at his feet and worships him. He recognized who he was. And he ran and worshipped him. And Jesus, in one place in Scripture, simply said one word. Go. And those thousands of demons left that man. And he was whole and in his right mind and clothed. And the Lord spoke to him and said, go back into the city. And tell them what things I've done for you. And the man went back into the city and began to broadcast what the Lord Jesus Christ had done. Who would choose a vessel that had been full of demons just moments before? A God that says, I can give you water and you'll never thirst again. It will be in you a well springing up into everlasting life. I would to God you would stop disqualifying yourself. Come on, he's reaching to you this morning. He's offering you living water. Not just to heal you, but to use you. To use you. In John chapter number 7, I believe it is, we find a place in Scripture, probably around verse 36, where it says, it was the last day, or the great day of that feast. There had been a feast taking place. It was a great feast, and it was the last day of it. Thank you, verse 37. Jesus stood, watch. He stood on the last day. What's so significant about it being the last day? I'll tell you what's so significant. It's been a great feast. The great day of the feast. The last day people have been there feasting. However long this feast has been going on. And Jesus stood up and cried. If any man thirst. If any woman thirsts. What do you mean? We've been feasting all week. Thirst? We've been drinking all week. Oh, no. He understood. You can feast and feast and feast on natural things. But you're still going to be thirsty. And so the Lord Jesus Christ on the last day of this feast where people had been feeding themselves naturally, He understood they're still thirsty. And so he said, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. Verse 38. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, watch what he says. He offered them something to drink, but he went further. Come to me and drink. And if you believe on me, like the scripture says, out of your belly will flow rivers of living. You see, when He gives you an eye to drink, it's not just for us. But He's saying, if I want you to drink, I also am choosing you as a vessel. I'm no respecter of persons. You're a chosen vessel unto me. You are a chosen vessel unto Him. I rebuke every dissenting voice that would try to tell you differently. I bind every deceiving voice 
that would lie to you because of your past. I bind every deceiving voice that would lie to you because of failures and mistakes. And this day, I loose the living word of God to have full force in your life the way he intends. As a vessel of the living God, you are a chosen vessel. You are a chosen vessel. You are a chosen vessel. If you yield your life to him, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. I'm not talking about a temporary fix. I'm talking about eternal, everlasting life is what he called it. In the name of Jesus, I'm opening this altar to you right now. If you're thirsty, would you come? If you're thirsty, would you come? Come on, get rid of all the disqualifiers. Push off all the other noise, every other voice. And if you're thirsty today, if you're a willing vessel today, would you come? In the name of Jesus. Come on, if there's a single message that the Lord continued to declare, even all the way in the book of Revelation, in the very last chapter of the last book of the Word of God, we find Jesus reaching yet again. And it's the one time where we find the Spirit and the Bride, the Spirit of God and the church are saying the same thing. Whosoever thirsts, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. Come on, it's free. I'm asking you, come. In Jesus' name, you're responding to him, not to me. There's living water here today. There's living water here today. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. You're a vessel. You're going to leave here today and there's going to be a flow out of you. There's going to be a flow out of you. It's his word. It's his design. It's his plan for your life. Come on, open honors, vulnerable before him today. I'm thirsty, Lord. I'm thirsty, Lord. Come on, you're not saying you're not saved. You're not saying you're not filled with His Spirit. But you're saying, I acknowledge His Word. And there's still a thirst in my soul. I acknowledge His Word. Maybe I've gotten distracted by the things of this world. Maybe I've gotten pulled away a little bit. But today I'm running back to you, Jesus. I'm thirsty. Satisfy this thirst in my soul. Satisfy this thirst in my soul. In Jesus' name.
worship you. Thank you, Jesus. We magnify you. Thank you, Lord. We exalt you. You are worthy. It's an interesting study if you begin to go through Scripture. Start looking at vessels in Scripture. It's find even in Leviticus there were laws about vessels and how they had to be cleaned and if something was done what had to be done to the vessel in some cases the vessel had to be completely broken and you know the Lord does that with us but he doesn't leave us broken he puts us back together we we know the story I believe it's in Jeremiah of the potter that had a vessel that was marred the scripture says it was marred in the hands of the potter So he didn't cast it aside. He continued to make it a vessel that pleased the potter. Paul wrote to us and said, Will the the clay say to the potter, Why have you made me like this? Sometimes we get upset at God. Why would you make me this way, Lord? I do. I've done that. Why is this part of my makeup? Why, Why is this... You know, he allows things to be the part of the way we're made up so that it keeps us dependent on him. The Apostle Paul had some things in his life that he asked the Lord to take away. The Lord didn't do it. The Lord said, my grace is sufficient. So it is in us as vessels. There will be things in our lives. I'm not talking about sin, you understand. The Lord will deliver us from all sin talking about sin I'm not talking about shame there are things that he died shed his blood took stripes for to deliver us from so I'm not talking about that but there are flaws if you will in our makeup that the Lord allows to remain there because it keeps us dependent upon him one place the apostle Paul spoke of vessels he says there's some of wood some of gold they're all made different some to honor some because the choices they made were dishonor I believe we're a room full of vessels of honor today if we'll yield ourselves some of us are just wooden vessels I believe there's gold vessels in the room you understand you can look and say oh man I wish I was a gold vessel no doesn't matter I just want to be one that he flows through It's not the vessel. It's what flows through it. You're designed for him to flow through. Let him. Amen. Thank him with me right now. Would you do that, Lord? We praise you. We stand across this room. Lift our voices, our hands, and our hearts to him one more time before we go today. Hallelujah. We magnify you, Lord. We glorify you, the giver of life. We exalt you, living water. We worship you today, oh God. You are great. I pray your spirit so flow through this people. In the name of Jesus, I pray in and through their lives today and in this week ahead, confirm your word to them. As your spirit flows out of them, accomplishing much for the glory of God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we thank you, praise you, and give you all the glory.
Amen and amen. Everybody said amen. The Lord bless you today. Greet someone. You are dismissed in the beautiful name of Jesus.